Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. Welcome in to another episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. This is your host for the evening, Matthew Betts, a.k.a. The Fantasy PT. And unfortunately tonight, I am not joined by Matt Okada. Uh, he is slaving away at the NFL Network. It is, of course, the week after the Super Bowl, and the grind does not stop for the NFL Network and for Okada, unfortunately. But I am joined by a very special guest and new partner here with Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast, good friend, John Helmkamp. John, what's up, man? I'm doing great, man. Uh, so this is our first time our listeners are hearing you and and or if you're on the live stream, seeing your your, your face, your beautiful face. Uh, we had to bring you on because your beard game definitely steps it up compared to what I can offer and for sure what Okada can offer. <laughs> but absolutely, man. Love it. Um, give our listeners a little bit of a rundown on kind of, you know, your background and where you've previously uh, worked when it comes to fantasy football, what you do day to day, that kind of stuff. So the floor is yours. Yeah. So, uh, fantasy football, um, you know, been obviously playing for a very long time, got into the writing of it this last year, uh, over at expand the box score. Uh, really enjoy that. Um, a lot of fun over there. Still going to be contributing with them as well. Um, and on the day-to-day basis, I uh, have a lot of fun helping people with insurance. So it's a very riveting industry. Um, Love it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's it's been a really good last year or so, kind of really diving into fantasy football, uh, kind of getting into that game. Um, kind of always been fascinated by running backs. That's always just been something that I've been drawn to. So kind of putting my own uh, twist and analysis on that and starting to really kind of dive into how to better – analyze both players that are currently in the league and prospects coming out of college is kind of where my focus is right now. Yeah. Awesome, man. And that's a perfect lead into the running back rush rating metric that you created. So um, that is of course with expand the box score. Uh, and we definitely support their work, man. You guys all do great work over there. So go check them out, uh, expand the box score, but tell us more about the running back rush rating. And, you know, that'll kind of lead us right into our rookie breakdown series that we're going to start tonight. John has been grinding the tape, uh, looking at a lot of, of college film for these running backs and that's kind of his specialty. So tell us more about the rush rating metric. Yeah. So over this last year, um, I started building this rush rating metric, uh, through expand the box score and, Uh, Kind of the data team that is behind it does a great job of sourcing all the data that's needed to put this together. Um, But it's an efficiency plus usage metric. So basically trying to boil down um, the efficiency of a running back, how they're used in the run game, you know, their uh, yards per carry per run direction, breaking that down into seven different rush directions. Um, And then also including, you know, basically a percentile for how many rushes per game they're seeing, a percentile for... Uh, how many targets per game they're seeing in the, in the passing game. Um, and basically taking all of those factors into consideration and coming out with one number at the end that represents their, you know, efficiency plus usage. So, um, yeah, that's been that's been a lot of fun. Hoping to continue to kind of uh, flesh that out a little bit more this offseason as we head into next uh, next season. But it's it's been a lot of fun to put together. Yeah, man, it's, it's awesome stuff and it's great work. And that's kind of how... 
Uh, I found you, of course, with your interactions on Twitter, but also, you know, the running back rush rating metric and the expand the box score staff. So we're super psyched to have you on, man. It's going to be great for our listeners, great for our readers. If you haven't already, be sure to head on over to the site, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. John's two preview articles up on the site already. We have a third one probably dropping this week. We've got DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor uh, up on the site. So check that out. And we're going to talk about some rookie running backs tonight. Before we do, just a reminder, follow us on Twitter at RedshirtsFFPod. We are currently live streaming this and probably will be streaming most of our broadcasts, um, which is fun because you get to see our beautiful faces. You also get, you know, the the raw uh, recording of what we do. Uh, no faking it. This is, you know, just John and I chatting running backs and, of course, Okada when he's on the pod too. Um, and you get to kind of see a little bit of the... Uh, live interaction which i think is fun so check us out there of course on periscope uh youtube instagram facebook everywhere you can find anything social media related we are red shirts ff pod all right john you ready to get into it man let's do it so we're going to go through five rookie running backs of course it is dynasty season uh we are past the super bowl it is on to dynasty and that means rookie drafts so what we're going to do tonight is talk about five rookie running backs we're going to go through john's uh, scouting profile so far for five different running backs. And we're going to go number five all the way to number one. And these are the names you guys know. These are the, the top names in the class. These are going to be the guys that you want with your, you know, your 101, your 102, your 103, etc. So these are the hot names in Dynasty. Let's break it down, John. Who you got at number five? Yeah, so number five, um, I have J.K. Dobbins, Ohio State, as my fifth-ranked running back uh, coming out. Um, there's definitely a lot of, and, and first off, let me just back up by saying all five of these top five names, I think are going to be good NFL running backs. Oh yeah. They're studs. Yeah. These are all guys that can play. These are all guys that bring a lot to the table, um, that can contribute in a number of ways. Uh, so, you know, you're kind of splitting hairs a little bit with the top five, but I have JK Dobbins at number five. Um, you know, some of the good things that he brings to the table, um, I've got him, you know, pretty well ranked with his power and with his agility. Uh, he does a good job there. Um, his contact balance is pretty nice. One thing that I kind of have a little bit of a knock on him for is his processing and vision. Um, of these top five running backs, um, I have him the lowest rated in that category. Um, kind of watching a lot of tape and watching him, he runs almost ahead of his feet the entire time. He's always just full steam ahead, 100%, just gunning it. Um, and I'd like to see more patience, more allowing the blockers to set up in front of him, uh, allowing him to you know, kind of pick his holes a little bit better um, instead of just trying to slam into a brick wall every time. So um, that was one of the things that I kind of have him knocked a little bit on. Um, also, his pass protection kind of leaves a lot to be desired. There was a number of instances where um, he didn't make the right read. Um, it wasn't necessarily technique or, you know, getting beat. It was not seeing a defender uh, that was kind of a free runner coming in. So um, those are kind of the two areas that um, leave a little to be desired in the top of this class. Um, but obviously very, you know, productive, productive college running back. Yeah, for sure. And one thing I just want to kind of point to with uh, J.K. Dobbins and his college scouting profile it's just kind of a, a general 
you know, look at his game logs and look at his season statistics, he had a pretty down year uh, two years ago compared to what he did last year. Was there anything different that you saw in his game tape this year compared to maybe uh, two years ago when he didn't have quite as good of a statistical season uh, for the Buckeyes? Yeah, um, I think this year um, in particular, just kind of looking at the, the numbers, um, yeah, obviously the attempts is a big part of it. I mean, he got 71 more carries this last season that he got in 2018-2019, uh, um, but his efficiency was a lot better uh, this last season as well. Obviously, he topped 2,000 rushing yards, uh, 2003, which is, you know, that's a massive season. That's a really high number uh, compared to 1,053 in 1819. So that's, I mean, he doubled his output. Um, so the usage is definitely a big part of it. I think that they just ran their offense through him um, this year, you know, really giving him the opportunities to break off those big plays uh, when he wanted to. And he does, you know, he, he had a, a lot of big, a lot of big runs, a lot of big yardage that he was putting out. Um, and most of the time when he was translating that, I think it was the, the power game that really, you know, sprung him on some of those bigger runs. He doesn't have elite speed. You know, he's not a track star running back. Yeah, for sure. You know, he's, he's going to, you know, put a shoulder down on somebody and, or stiff arm someone into the ground um, and make that one guy miss. And I think I saw more of that this year in his game, you know, more, more leaning on, on the power uh, to spring him on those bigger runs. Yeah, definitely something that I would agree with when I watched a little bit of his tape as well. One other thing to note, you know, I was reading a couple articles about JK and his off season program last year. And, you know, the dude was putting in work, changing his uh, training routine, his nutrition, et cetera. Um, and I think it showed uh, for sure. You know, you, like you mentioned, he wasn't really a burner. He's not going to be that guy that really beats you with speed, but he's quick enough. And that's something that I'm seeing on tape for sure to be effective. Um, real quick, just give our listeners kind of a rundown on like the overall grading process that you have. Then let's give our listeners uh, the final score for JK. Sure. Um, so basically I have a number of categories here. Uh, actually, let me count them up for you. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 different categories uh, that I am looking for, um, you know, on tape mostly. This is this is mostly a film breakdown process that, that I rely on. Um, you know, I, I trust what my eyes see. Uh, so I, I like going to the film. I like watching how they play. Um, out of those categories, um, there are... Um, several categories that are weighted, you know, out of 10, uh, several that are weighted out of five and just a couple that are weighted out of just, you know, 2.5 to total up for a hundred points. Um, so JK Dobbins, um, his total, uh, came out to 67.5 out of a hundred, um, which is strong, basically out of the, the categories that are graded on a 10 point scale, anything six or above basically grades as being NFL average or better. So six is basically NFL average. When you look at a speed, he's got NFL average speed of a six. Um, he has a number of categories where he's in the 7.5 range. He's not really elite in anything. Um, you know, he doesn't have elite agility. He doesn't have elite processing or vision. He's, He's got above average in several categories, like power 7.5, agility 7.5, contact balance 7.5, um, 
doesn't really pop off in any one category. You know, nothing really is like, wow, that's an amazing part of his game. But he's just very stable. Like, he just has a really good, um, you know, platform across the table. So, yeah, he comes out of the 67.5 on that 100-point scale. Yeah, yeah perfect. perfect. And that's a and great breakdown. You know, we'll have all these articles on the site, on the site. Yeah. so you'll be able to read each of these categories. John does a nice job of kind of breaking down one to three sentences about each category and kind of justifying the score for it so um that's great context we've got 67.5 on jk dobbins out of 100 good prospects certainly john's not in love with them which uh you could argue is a little bit of a hot take Uh, i think most i've seen uh, him higher quite a bit oh yeah for sure people are all about jk Uh, i've seen him at one in some people's ranks two um so definitely room for debate and i think landing spot will probably have a big you know factor in this class but it's always good to have that pre-draft process in your mind because landing spot matters, but it's not everything, right? So uh, definitely good to, to have that baseline. So we got JK at number five. Who you got at number four? Number four, um, I have Cam Akers out of Florida State. Um, you know, what's interesting is that several of the running backs in this class, their physical measurables are all coming out really, really close. JK Dobbins listed at 5'10", 217. Obviously, we'll see how these numbers look at the combine. When we kind of get, you know, the real numbers as opposed to the maybe slightly <laughs> inflated numbers by the school. Yeah, but he was listed, Dobbins is listed at 5'10", 217. Cam Akers is listed at 5'11", 212. Uh, very similar. Um, Cam Akers. Um, I like Cam a lot. Um, I like him more than Dobbins quite a bit. And one of the reasons why is that Cam Akers was playing with an absolutely garbage offensive line. Um, a lot of the big plays that I saw Dobbins pop off were kind of set up for him. Um, in terms of what Akers has to create on just about every run, I swear he had defenders in the backfield on like 30, 40% of his runs. Um, so his ability to create when it's not given to him is something that I really like. Um, he is very agile, very slippery. Um, he's got an eight there. Um, actually all four of the remaining backs in this class are at eight or above in their agility. Um, his vision is also very good. He does a great job. He can mix up, uh, the power game where I've got him graded out of seven. Um, he's also has, you know, really good short space quickness and burst. Um, that was one thing, his ability to change direction, um, be decisive, put his foot in the ground, get going upfield. Uh, was something that I really like out of Cam Akers. Um, Another thing with Akers, uh, his receiving is about NFL average. They didn't use him a ton in the receiving game. You know, he's not uh, Christian McCaffrey that's going to line up as a wide receiver. Um, but I think that he's got sufficient enough hands to get the job down on checkdowns as long as he can get pass protection taken care of on third down. Yeah, well, if you're Booger McFarlane, you don't really need your running backs to catch the ball, right? No, no. Oh, man. Can we just <laughs> Please tell for, me you saw that clip. Seconds, I did. Can we for oh, 30 seconds gosh, just brutal. talk about how Booger McFarlane, everyone wants less of Booger McFarlane, and for some reason, he was everywhere during NFL <laughs> Super Bowl week. Why was he all over my screen at the Pro Bowl and at the Super Bowl for, for a whole week when we thought we were done with him? It's amazing. For listeners who aren't aware, that is referencing uh, the most recent clip of Booger talking. I think it was on first take about um, they had Christian McCaffrey on set, and he's basically talking about how his running back doesn't need to catch the ball. He prefers Zeke to CMC. Uh, but yeah, just laughable, honestly, at this point. 
Um, not to derail us too much, but let's get back to Cam Akers. So you mentioned it. The offensive line, and I agree 100%, was atrocious for Florida State um, during Cam's most um, recent times, for sure. Is that something that you think is going to deter people from drafting Cam Akers? Your, your casual dynasty players, your casual um, rookie drafters, when you look at Cam Akers, are people going to remember him for the wrong reasons and it's because of a down year from production standpoint? Because, I mean, I think just a year and a half ago, two years ago, if you were playing Devi, if you were playing Dynasty, you knew Cam Akers and you knew him for a reason, right? Like I remember doing a couple of startups where people were taking him in Devi drafts so early because of the hype around him. And then now it's like, ugh, Florida State, it kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Do you think he'll be a value in rookie drafts? I think he'll absolutely be a value because for that reason alone, if you've got casual players that have not done the digging on these incoming uh, running backs and they're just going to spend 30 seconds going to ESPN and seeing what his stats were, um, it does look down. Um, he had 231 rushdowns, good amount. That's good usage. Um for a little over 1,100 rushing yards. So, you know, compared to Cam Akers' 2,000, uh, that's a big difference. He did find a way to somehow get 14 touchdowns with that offensive line, which is great. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, very. Put together, you know, five, it was like right on five yards of carry just about uh, that he was able to stream together. But, yeah, I do think that he's going to be a nice value for the casual dynasty league, especially, you know, your home league, stuff like that, um, where you've got, you know, rookies – uh, coming out, they're, they're going to look at the raw stats and see that, you know, he had far less output. But I think from an actual NFL standpoint, I, I believe that the GMs are going to see, wow, this guy was really able to create on his own. Um, I think teams that have a subpar offensive line, like my Seattle Seahawks, that might be an interesting decision on day two. I don't know. Um, but teams that have subpar offensive lines might like the fact that Cam Akers put a lot of tape out there of being able to make two, three guys miss. Yeah, definitely. Uh, is that a landing spot you think is realistic for Akers is Seattle? <sighs> it depends. Um, Seattle has, I believe it's six picks in the first four rounds. They've got some draft capital this year. Oh, yeah. Like they, they have, and they have a big amount of cap space uh, to play with. So they might be able to, to get some free agents to fill some of the holes that they might not need to rely on the draft for, um, yep. which I like. Um, so if they're able to address the trenches really on both sides um, in free agency and not need to rely so much on the draft for that, um, I don't know. You've got Chris Carson coming off a, a hip injury in the last year of his rookie contract. Um, Rashad Penny just hasn't been what they were hoping him to get, especially when Nick Chubb was still on the board um, in that draft class. Um, <laughs> I'm not, not bitter. bitter. I'm not bitter at all. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That might be something because I don't expect him to be, you know, one of the first two backs taken. If he's, you know, falling into day two, um, that could be. I could see that happening. I think he would work really well uh, in that system and with that offensive line. Yeah, for sure. And with how they use the running backs, I think any back that falls to them in the draft is going to be interesting from a dynasty perspective. Like you mentioned, Chris Carson with the hip injury uh, as well. Rashad Penny, who I was a big truther, not going to lie, kind of still am. I know. <laughs> I can't I can't shake him. I can't get rid of him completely. Yeah, can't quit him. Nope. Uh, but we're not here to talk about Rashad Penny. We're here to talk about these rookies. Uh, let's move on to your number three running back. Who is it and why? Um, number three running back. Oh, I don't think we put out a final grade. Final grade on Cam Akers, I've got it 71. Uh, so okay, I've got call. him about three and a half 
uh, points higher than J.K. Dobbins. Uh, number three, I have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, C.E.H. out of LSU. Um, he is small. I am so interested to see what his combine measurables are because he was listed at 5'8", 209. Um, so he's already on the small side for running backs, but man, is he just so electric, so slippery. Um, he is the best receiver, um, out of these top five guys by far. Um, he can line up and run routes. Um, he's really the, the modern day running back that we're starting to see teams go towards. He's not your old school thumper. Um, he is someone that, you know, you might get him. 18 touches a game and five of them could be, you know, receptions. Um, he's someone that can line up all over the field. Um, he's so electric in space, his, uh, quickness and burst. I've got him at an eight, um, receiving. I have him at a nine. Um, he's the only above eight graded receiver in this class. Um, he breaks tackles and shows a lot more power than I would expect for a running back his size too. He can hold up, he can get it done between the tackles. Um, yeah, really the big thing with him, and he's fast. Um, he's quick. He's got long speed and short-term quickness and burst. The one thing, um, I'd like to see better pass protection out of him, but um, even at his size, he was very willing, and he makes a lot of the right reads. Some of it is just technique, so I think that that can be coached up a bit at the next level uh, to make sure that he's staying on the field uh, you know, on third down. Yeah, for sure. And I think that you know you pointed out with his – pass catching ability that's the thing that stood out to me too watching some lsu games this year um is he is fit for today's nfl so i love that call i've actually seen a couple comps with him with austin eckler do you agree with that comp and if so give me a a good landing spot for a guy like this that a team maybe could use um a young pass catching back who can honestly do it all yeah um he really can do it all i think that he is a better runner between the tackles than Austin Eckler is. Um, so I can kind of see the, the comp. Um, I think it might be a, a bit lazy, just, just a, hey, let's compare him to a pass-catching running back. Um, yeah, smaller stature. Smaller stature can catch. Let's compare him to Eckler. Um, yeah. He's a better runner than, than Eckler is. Um, landing spot. Man, he can fit just about anywhere. Um, obviously, there's a couple of more Smash Mouth teams in the league that I wouldn't love him to go to. Um, you know, you want a scheme that's gonna, you know, spread him out, open yep. things up, get him out in motion. This is a true dynamic pass catching running back. Um, landing spots that I could think of that might use him well. Um, you know, it actually might be interesting if Melvin Gordon leaves the Chargers. Yeah. Speaking of comparing him to Austin Eckler, um, that could be an interesting uh, landing spot for him. I could also see, I mean, there's he really fits just about everywhere. Obviously, we know that Tampa Bay is looking for a running back. We know Indy's looking for a running back. But I think that those teams have more holes to fill. They might not invest their early draft capital on a running back. So um, sure. I'm really interested to see where he's going to go and how GMs are, are viewing him. It's going to be a, an interesting thing. Obviously, draft capital is so important. You know, We know that the hit rate of running backs and wide receivers actually um, taken before day three, taken day one or day two, gives them much more upside. They have more investment from the team. So his draft capital is going to be one to watch. I'm yeah. interested to see where he's going to go. Kansas City would be incredibly exciting. 
That would be insane. Um, I don't know if they'll do it because obviously they're getting a lot of run out of Damian Williams. Um, but if they somehow pull the trigger on that, that would be crazy. Yeah, that would be uh, phenomenal. I think Dynasty Twitter would lose their mind. Oh, yeah. Um, which, yeah, it's so fun to see Damian Williams just crushing it in the Super Bowl. Should have won an MVP. He just, I agree. <laughs> I honestly think that he should have. Um, yeah. I actually called that. I was watching the game with my dad. And when he snapped off that, that run to, to ice it. I was like, there's your MVP. It's, it's gotta yeah. be. Um, but you know, I can obviously understand Mahomes as well, but yeah, I don't know. Um, Damon Williams seems to just do great from December on. And that's about how it's about how he works. Yep. Derek Henry, but way, way less <laughs> with, uh, with, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Let's talk about some of the mismatches he can create because one thing I noticed on tape, I was watching some, uh, Joe Burrow tape and, I watched like three games and I was like, yeah, I, my, my eye is just drawn to this running back. He's electric. And one thing I notice is when he gets in space with the, with the linebacker, it is a complete mismatch. I mean, anyone that is watching this tape and you see them try to cover him one-on-one with the linebacker game over, is that something that you see on tape as well? And if so, um, let's talk about that translation to an NFL style offense, because, you know, in today's NFL, of course, like you mentioned, these backs are no longer, your 20 carries three target type of backs like they're getting 12 to 15 and they're getting you know three to six targets when you look at a player like this like his ability to to mismatch against linebackers do you see his ability to line up like in the slot kind of all over the field or is he like a a strictly out of the backfield type of player no he can line up anywhere um and i was watching a lot of tape on him and they did a great job of using him everywhere which by the way the passing game coordinator for lsu now the offensive coordinator in Carolina just I mean if you needed any more reason for CMC I don't know why you would but he's going to continue to see great uh passing game work lined up all over the field I think that's going to really benefit him well but um yeah same thing I was watching tape on him and um I'm forgetting what game it was but he was lined up in the slot the route that he put on this linebacker I I'm pretty sure I actually jumped off my chair like stood up I was so excited because he runs routes like a wide receiver. He runs them like a quick, twitchy wide receiver. If you've got him lined up in the slot, a, a mismatch with a linebacker, his ability to separate was insane. And he would just come up, break the linebacker down. Linebacker has no idea which direction he's going to go after that. And his quickness, his ability to split whichever way he wanted to go, he, he found himself wide open time and time again. I mean, five yards of space. Um, obviously out of the slot. He lined up out wide a lot, too, for LSU. That's something that he brings to the table. Um, but, yeah, if, if you can get him on a linebacker, it is, it's game over. It's just yep. a complete and total mismatch. Totally, man. That's exactly what I saw. That's exciting for today's NFL. So I'm really intrigued by where he goes in the draft and which team takes him. So a uh, super interesting prospect. One guy that I've been rising on a ton, and it sounds like you are, too. Give us your final grade here on CEH. Yeah, I've got him at a 73.5, two and a half points above Akers. Um, Yeah, really, he separates himself in the receiving game especially. Um, I've also got a a grade in there called Joystick, just a a player's ability to create, um, you know, spin moves, jukes in space, what he can do. Um, And he is incredible in space. Um, you get him out there like we were talking about with a linebacker and they have no idea where he's going to go. So 
Yep, I've got CEH at a 73.5. Love it. Okay, man, let's kick it over to number two. This is, I don't want to say it's a hot take, but I think you're against consensus, and I like it a lot. Uh, I, I kind of agree with you a bit as far as some of his weaknesses, but I still have him as my one. He's your two. Who is it? Yes, my two definitely against consensus is DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. Um, I can hear jaws dropping everywhere. <laughs> at JCW Helmcamp on Twitter when you want to let him know. Come at me. I'll, I'll put up the meme with the change my mind with the guy just sitting at the table. Yeah, um, perfect. That's, that's me right now. I am firmly locked in with him as my two. Um, I love DeAndre Swift. Um, it's really splitting hairs up at the top of this. Really, the the couple things with him. Um, first, some pros. His contact balance is insane. It is so good. I've got him uh, rated at a nine with contact balance. His ability to absorb hits. And the thing about it is that he avoids tackles with agility, not necessarily power. Like his ability to make someone miss at the last second and roll off of them or literally spin move off of that person's shoulder um, is so good. I mean, he's so good when he gets into space. His contact balance, I've got it at a nine. Um, his joystick rating, I've got it at an eight, like CEH. He's so slippery. Um, one thing that he does so incredibly well is he sets up defenders. He shows them what what he wants to show them and then takes it away. Like He'll make a linebacker think that the linebacker's got the right angle on him and then he'll do something to completely change course, and that linebacker or cornerback even uh, comes up grasping at air. Um, so he's very good in space. Um, a couple things that I don't love in his game, um, pass protection, he's willing, um, you know, similar to Cam Akers, he's very willing in pass protection, which is a good thing. You want to see that. Um, but his form, his hands, not so great. He got beat, you know, a number of times. Um, and his long speed is not great. I've got him and J.K. Dobbins pretty similar on their speed. I gave both of them a six. Um, he's not a burner. If he had that element to his game, if he had long speed combined with his elusiveness in the open field, um, that would be lethal. I think we'd be looking at, you know, a truly top-tier you know, coming out of college, running back like a Saquon, something like that. But without that element to his game, doesn't really have that. Um, now, again, if you can make three people miss, you don't necessarily need the long speed in order to convert it into a huge run, and he can definitely do that. Um, but, yeah, that's where I've got him. I've got him at two. Yeah, and I think you make some good points in the article. Like I said, that's at redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. We'll tweet it out again this week, but um, definitely check it out because I think it makes some interesting – points as to why you justify a certain score for a player and specifically you know for Swift I think you say it perfectly like the dude is fast enough for today's NFL he's not a burner like you mentioned but man I don't know about you I don't know remembering seeing a prospect that is as good and fluid when he wants to change direction and stick his foot in the ground I mean it is lights out like it, on a dime I mean LaShawn McCoy has the Twitter handle cut on dime 25 we might have to give that to DeAndre Swift man he changes direction like no other and when you don't have the speed that you know someone else in the NFL has or another prospect has it doesn't really matter to me personally when you can do that is that something that you agree with I do I mean he is crazy fluid um 
the two guys at the top of this list are are a one a one b. This is a tier to their own. Um, both of them very much so that way they don't waste movement and they don't lose speed in their decision making. He his ability swift to change direction, like you said, is crazy. He can go at a you know ninety to one hundred and eighty degree angle and and keep his momentum going. Um, and absolutely, you know, make three, four depend- defenders fall one direction while he's cutting the other. Yeah, absolutely put them on ice skates. Embarrassing. It's it's fun to watch. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I've watched three games of DeAndre Swift, and I think I'm done. Like, I, I'm sold. I'm so in on this guy. I think he's going to be fantastic in the NFL. Um, I think he fits today's game perfectly. So I like Swift a lot. You're a touch slower than consensus. You still love the guy. But, I mean, like you said, this – this running back class, like any other year, I think you you would agree DeAndre Swift is the 101 pretty easily. Yeah, most years, probably, you know, seven out of ten years, he'd be the 101. You know, unless yeah. you've got a real, truly transcendent Saquon, Zeke coming out of college. Um, yeah, he's, you know, most years he'd be, he'd e- easily be the 101 next year. All right, man, let's hit it with the final grade and then let's get on to the number one running back in this class yeah deandre swift final grade uh 76 so got him fairly comfortably ahead of ceh uh really getting up there starting to push those you know upper 70s looking like a very very strong prospect um again he's listed 59215 it's kind of that same frame that we're seeing cam Akers, jk dobbins we'll see what that looks like as he gets into the combine um my number one running back in this draft class is jonathan taylor out of wisconsin I am firmly planted uh, a little bit on an island. Um, you know, definitely kind of against the consensus on this one, but I love Jonathan Taylor's game. Um, he has the long speed that I wish that Swift had. He is a track running back. He, when he gets going, he's gone. Um, his quickness bursts in the short field is, to me, negligibly less than DeAndre Swift. Um, I His ability in short spaces in a phone booth is incredible. Uh, he is very elusive, very tough. I If you go to my Twitter handle, my pinned tweet is a video of him against uh, Southern Florida last year. And this run inside with defenders coming all different directions around him, he like teleports underneath a linebacker. I don't know how he does it. I've watched it a thousand times. I swear he was bottled up with four people in front of him, and the next thing you know, he's gone for a 40-yard touchdown. Um, his ability in short space is incredible. Um, his receiving ability, both he and DeAndre Swift, I think are above par receivers. I gave him the same grade, both a seven. Um, Jonathan Taylor did not get used a ton in the passing game. Um, he is not the CEH that's going to line up out wide. Um, or put him in the slot, you know, with a mismatch. That's not necessarily his strength. But his processing and vision to me, Jonathan Taylor's, I gave him a 9. I gave DeAndre Swift an 8. His vision, the ability to pick the right lane is so good and so clean, and he does not waste space or time in doing so. Um, I I love everything about his game. He's an above-average pass blocker which is great and you know it's not necessarily a, a sexy thing to look at for a running back coming out but it matters a ton to Jennifer uh to NFL GMs um 
he has an insane nose for the goal line. Um, that is another one of my metrics that's on a scale of five. I gave him a five. When he gets down at the goal line, his ability to have a nose for the end zone and rack up those touchdowns, which translates very well to the NFL. Running backs coming out that have good touchdown totals, generally that translates well at the next level. Um, he is a do-everything back. He's your early down thumper if you need it with long speed that can break off a, a home run at any time. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit on every single point I wanted to bring up. The one that I definitely wanted to touch on was touchdown production. I mean, you can't turn on ESPN during the college football season and not see a highlight of Jonathan Taylor scoring a touchdown. So like you said, that was a huge sticking point. And one thing that people argued for Devin Singletary last year was his ability to find the end zone. We saw him have a pretty solid year last year. Like you mentioned, it does translate well from college to the NFL. So I'm glad you brought that up. The dude has a nose for the end zone. I agree 100%. The other thing is, Man, the patience at the line of scrimmage, it's like it's so beautiful to watch. It's it's Love Bell-esque in a way that is, you know, setting up his blocks. But I think even better than Le'Veon Bell. I think Le'Veon Bell's ability to kind of tap dance in the backfield and then find the hole is almost, I don't want to say overdone at times, but um, not quite as purposeful. I think Jonathan Taylor does a much better job of doing it for the purpose of finding the block to go behind and finding the hole to go through. And I think the pinned tweet on, on your account like highlights it perfectly. I actually just watched it while you were talking, and I was smiling. I don't know if you can see me, but it's it's fun to, to watch, man. Is that something that you think is um, you know applicable to today's NFL? Because I feel like, and one thing Okada and I have talked about, is just when you watch Lev Bell play, if the offensive line doesn't work for his style, I mean, he's stuffed in the backfield for a two-yard loss with the Jets. We saw that this year a ton. What he averaged, like, 3.2? Exactly, yeah, 3.2. And for Jonathan Taylor, I feel like his game, with the way he sets up blocks, is going to really excel at the NFL level. Um, agree with that or, or no? Yeah, I totally do. Um, I think the comparison to Lev Bell is totally warranted, but I agree with you that he does it better because he doesn't – I, I noticed the same thing with Lev Bell. He will tap dance, and if nothing's there, he takes a loss. With Jonathan Taylor, he's very decisive. If it's there, he hits it when it needs to be. If it's not there, then he does take his time and his patience to allow everything to set up in front of him. And that, to me, is is so beautiful to watch game tape of Jonathan Taylor because his ability to navigate, especially down the field, I mean, a, a 20, 30-yard run, you know, it's not just a stretch right where he hits the burners and goes as long as he can and then gets tackled. He hardly ever shows his track speed because he's waiting. He's constantly taking what's there, but allowing the game to come to him, allowing things to shape up in front of him, kind of bobbing and weaving down the field. It looks so fluid and effortless. Um, kind of comparing him to why I have J.K. Dobbins as low as I do is because J.K. Dobbins to me looks like every run is forced. It looks like it is 100% energy as fast as I can go. You just slam into anything that's there. There's a lack of patience and uh, Jonathan Taylor just looks effortless in the way that he navigates the field and it doesn't look like he's hardly trying and suddenly he's got a 25 yard game. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I think you've said it previously. Like you and I, we either DM on Twitter or like we text and we're just talking like all day about how good these running backs look. Um, and it's fun to kind of pick your brain about it. I think the best way that I've heard it said among other analysts is just like the fluidity and you know the way he does it like you said is is effortless and it definitely shows on tape so i'm with you on that for sure one thing we do have to bring up with jonathan taylor you know everything that we said so far for most of these guys is is good positive things because they're all absolute studs but is the fumbling an issue for you yeah um and that is by far the biggest knock on his game um i don't have the number right in front of me i can pull it up while we're talking um his fumbling issue um is definitely a red flag it is the biggest knock on his game coming out um he fumbled 18 times in 41 career games that is about what every two and a half games he'd put it on the ground um that's that is a concern um now this year yeah and the thing is the thing that i don't like is that it's been consistent for three seasons he had eight as a freshman he had four as a sophomore great you think that he's getting better at it and then he had six again this year and that's something that i think gms are definitely going to take a look at i think that the pros of his game outweighs that there have been a lot of running backs that have come out with fumbling issues in college where having a good position coach at the NFL level has been able to help them uh, navigate that and fix that issue. Miles Sanders was one coming out last year that had a fumbling issue in college. I think he only fumbled twice, uh, if I remember right, this season. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, he he definitely was able to kind of get that corrected. Um, I think that it is something that's proven to be correctable at the next level. Um, but, you know, he, he definitely needs to shore that up because some NFL franchises will be patient with their running backs. If they put it on the ground, some will not, and they will get a short leash in a hurry. So that's something that he is going to have to take care of at the next level. But again, the, the way that he runs, the technical ability, he's just a tactician of a running back. You know, he He's the kind of running back that steals the soul of a defense because you think that you've got him... <laughs> You think that you've got him pegged. You think that it's taken care of. The defenders are putting 100% max effort, and he's just kind of fluidly navigating and bobbing and weaving. It's kind of like a skier going down a slope, right? He's just kind of cutting yeah. his way through, and it, it's just frustrating to a defense beyond you know anything else. He is a NFL running back through and through. Um, I've got him with a final grade of 78.5. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a thing of beauty to watch, man. His his tape is is fun to watch, for sure. Um, for more on Jonathan Taylor, for more on DeAndre Swift, be sure to check out John's work over on the website redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. We have new articles going up at this point in the season, probably every other day. But John drops his uh, running back of the week, so to speak, on Thursday. So look for that soon. Um, we will probably have that out. Thursday afternoon, check it out. And then, of course, each week we will talk about these running backs more and more. These are the top five. Of course, they're all studs. It was it was fun today because we get to talk about all the good stuff. But we've got some more prospects to break down here in the future. Guys like uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, guys like um, you know Anthony McFarland, etc., Zach Moss, which we're going to talk about in detail just like these guys. Um, so that's on the, the to-do list. That'll drop soon. In the meantime, John, where can we find your work? And, of course, where can they follow you on Twitter? Yeah, uh, Twitter handle right at the bottom there, at JCW Helmcamp. 
uh, feel free to follow me there. Um, I'll have some work going up on Expand the Box Score and then again, continuing to have uh, kind of weekly profiles of these incoming running, uh, rookie running backs. Um, you know, the, the combines in, what are we at, two and a half weeks till the combine? Yeah. It's right around the corner. It never stops. So we're going to have uh, some more you know, detailed information. I'll basically get the articles on the top five out before we get to the combine is basically how that's going to shake down. Um, and then I'm really excited, like you were talking about, to get into some of the other ones that might be your your sleeper picks. You know, Joshua Kelly out of UCLA had a great, uh, great senior bowl showing. So that'll be fun to kind of break him down a little bit more too. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm looking forward to that for sure. All right, everyone, you know where to, where to find us. It's, of course, at Pod. You can find me at the Fantasy PT. Okada is at Matt Okada. This episode excuse me, will drop probably at the end of this week. If you're watching us live, it'll come out um, later this week in your podcast app. We can be found anywhere podcasts are found, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. Find us there. Until next time, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.